Uh, man, it's a great morning to be here with you all. Uh, man, Aubrey was great. I told her last night if she didn't bring it, I was going to make fun of her. Uh, and so she brought it, I think. I think that was a great testimony. Um, and, you know, I, have a, I got a new laptop this week, which is exciting. And this morning I was running behind. I had to print out my message, and it printed this big. And I didn't have time because I was running late. And so, you know, just if this is terrible, it's because of that. So... <laughs> Uh, no, but my name is Brendan, and it's, it's so good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, you know, this parable that we're going through, continuing on in, in, the, in the parable series that we uh, started a while back, is, is not, I think, your typical parable, although they're all maybe a little odd or strange. There's some digging you have to do, but this one specifically, uh, when, when you read it, strikes a different chord. And so, man, I'm just asking that you be open this morning to what God might have for us um, and I believe that it'll be significant. So let's, uh, let's pray real quick. God, we just thank you for this time to gather, this time to be together, to be in community, to worship you. Um, Lord, we pray that your word would go out from this place, uh, that it would sit in our hearts, that it would resonate, that we would hear exactly what you have. So thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm just going to read this. Uh, it starts in Luke 16, verse, verse 1, and uh, previously in, in chapter 15, uh, Jesus is documented telling the parable of the prodigal son and the parable of the lost sheep or the lost coin. Um, and, uh, you know, he's primarily speaking to the Pharisees in those passages. But then it says in uh, verse 1, he, Jesus, also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called them and said to them, what is this that I hear about you? Turn the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. So I've decided what to do, so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. Okay, so, uh, you know, last time I was up here, I gave a sitcom reference. I'm going to do it again. Has anyone in here seen The Office? Yeah, we all have, of course. Um, hopefully you've seen the episode of the, the Willy Wonka t- Golden Ticket. It's, a, it's, a, it's an all-time classic if you haven't. But basically, Michael is, is the, shrewd, the shrewd manager, or the dishonest manager. He has this, this genius idea that he's going to uh, make golden tickets and every, every business that gets one in their um, order, their shipment, they get like a special discount. Only... Uh, Michael doesn't do a great job of spreading out the tickets and puts them all on one pallet. And so they go to the company's biggest client. So you can imagine giving the company's biggest client like seven mega discounts doesn't play out well. And so when his boss hears about it, he's very upset and threatens to fire the person who did it. So, so in a similar way, Michael's like, oh, what am I going to do so that I don't get fired? And he convinces Dwight to take the fall for him. And, uh, you know, it's pretty funny because it actually ends up backfiring. But uh, similar idea, right? This, this manager, he makes a mistake. He mishandles money that he's been given to Steward. And now he has to figure out a way out of it. And he says, hey, I have an idea. And so in verse 5, it says, So summoning his master's debtors, or someone who owes his master money, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, All right, well, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. Okay. So uh, 100 measures of oil, I wasn't really sure how much that was. 
It seemed like it could, when you, I read it, it could be like a, an olive oil that I just do a bunch of teaspoons in. I wasn't really sure. Uh, but the footnote actually said that uh, 100 measures of oil was equal to 875 gallons. All right, that's a lot. That's a lot of oil. And so I, I did some math. I did some Googling. And I was like, okay, well, how much is an average gallon of olive oil worth? And it's $23.76, according to Google. All right, and if you are a savant in the oil industry, don't come at me. Um, but just, just so $23.76. So if we do some math, if you want a math lesson, here it is. Pretty, pretty easy to follow here. Uh, 875 liters of, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Not so simple. Okay, it should say 875 gallons of oil um, times that price is equal to $20,000 and 800. You, you know what? It's just going to be a great morning. So, I just did the laptop, man. I can't, I can't. Just, they're out to get me here. So, so that's a lot of money, all right? We can agree that's a lot of money. And it, and it says, hey, take your bill and cut it in half. It's very generous, right? So then it goes from 20000 to 10400 right? So that's, that's like better than the Joe Biden student loan special, right? It's, it's pretty great. That's a, that's a generous deal. And so then he goes to the next guy. And it says, uh, okay, how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, great, take your bill and write 80, Okay. So, uh, you know, this time the footnote says that uh, 100 bushels of wheat is, is equal, or sorry, 100 measures of wheat is equal to anywhere between 1,000 and 1,200 bushels. So if we take the average, we do some more math, this time the, the uh, labels track, and it says 1,100 uh, bushels of wheat times the average price of bushel of wheat that I saw was $8.5 dollars. Uh, so we'll get $9,350, so $9,350. So we take that number and multiply it by 0.2, and it comes down to 8,600, right? So 20% discount, right? Not as generous, but still a good deal, right? It's like you're going to a store, uh, and you find out it's a 20% discount, you're not going to be upset at that. You're going to be pretty happy that when you find out your price is 20% off. Okay, so, um, man, just uh, very quick acting here by the manager, and the, the debtors are finding out, man, this is some good news. This is a generous guy. And of course, he thinks that'll receive him well. And actually in verse eight, it says the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, okay? So a little surprising here. We, we see first this guy mismanages the money, and then on top of that, he, the money that is owed to the master, he cuts in half, but instead of the master being uh, upset about that, he actually commends this manager, right? He gives him praise for it. And he says, wow, that's some pretty quick thinking. And so it goes on to say this, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. For one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in little is also dishonest in much. Then uh, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth who will entrust to you the true riches, and if you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, and so, I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this specific part right now, but I think it's interesting. Uh, two things that really stick out to me about this is, one, that uh, Jesus is making a point here that if we can't steward things that don't belong to us, 
or better yet, our unrighteous, meaning the, the wealth of this world, if we don't steward that well, how can we steward true wealth well? How could we do that? If, if God has given us something to steward, maybe we should consider that he's watching how we're taking care of that, right? He's got an eye for, for the things that we have. So every, everything that we own, we should consider, man, this is really not my own, but God's. And if I don't manage this well, how can I manage something greater that he will give to me in the life to come? Okay? And not only that, but I think it's interesting that it implies, um, it says that, uh, sorry, this is such a small font. (laughs) Uh, If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So it says to me, that which is your own, uh, there is an implication that if you don't steward what God has given you well, you'll miss out on an opportunity to receive more of what's already yours because you're proven that you can't, you can't handle it. So just chew on that. Chew on that. Uh, verse 14, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. Okay? So, three takeaways from the parable of the shrewd manager. One, be shrewd. I know. It's good. That's good right there. It says this in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. All right? And so wise as serpents, uh, that, that term wise is often used as the word shrewd, right? And this is just a way of saying, um, you know, it's, it's really a, a phrase of thinking outside of the box, something that is, you know, uncanny, something that is um, not natural to your own way of thinking. You know, it, it is important to, to have wisdom in itself and decision-making, but also an understanding that there is a way of thinking that maybe you haven't unlocked yet because you're so rigid in your line of thinking. Uh, and so this, this, this parable seems to be about money, right? And so the question might become, okay, well, how do I be shrewd with my money, or should I be shrewd with my money? And the answer is yes. But beyond that, you know, going back to those verses, Jesus says, hey, uh, actually the, the sons of this generation are more shrewd than the sons of light. And in that, I, I don't think Jesus is only talking about with their money. I think he's talking about in everything. But in, in a sense, there's this idea that the more uh, religious thinking that I have and hold on to, the more I put God into a box, right? The more I think about the, the church setting that I'm used to, the more I think about the ways I've experienced God in the past, it, it kind of can become this funnel of, hey, God can only move in a little way. But really, God is asking the disciples and the people in the crowd to consider, hey, there's a way of thinking in the kingdom of God that can help you, and it doesn't have to be manipulative or ugly, but it's, it's this shrewd way of acting that will allow you to grow greater responsibility in his kingdom. Are you guys with me? And that's, that's the kind of shrewdness that Jesus is asking you to have, okay? And so, uh, 
you know, it makes me think of a time that I was in college, and my, my early on, I met a, a guy, and I'll just use his name. His name is Wayne, and Wayne, um, we became friends very quickly. Uh, he, he would tell me a lot that, like, you know, later on, he, he was like, yeah, I think, dude, we hung out, like, 16 days straight the first day of school, and we might have. You know, I really liked hanging out with him, and... Um, there was a couple weeks on there. I, we got invited to a concert and I was dating this girl and she was coming in and, uh, you know, just to be fully transparent, our relationship wasn't the best. Uh, we were only dating, uh, for, for physical reasons. And, you know, we both kind of knew that and I invited her to come stay with me. And so you can imagine what that would imply. And my friends, even though I wasn't a believer, they were caring for me and they started talking to each other and said, Hey, we've got to figure out a way to convince Brendan not to let his girlfriend sleep in his dorm room. And so they started kind of just talking to me about it, leading up to the time that she was coming. And, you know, I just, the more I listened to what they had to say, it became clear to me, like, hey, actually, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Maybe she shouldn't stay in my dorm room, right? And so then I text my friend Wayne, and I say, hey, man, can you do me a favor? And immediately he responds, anything. And I'll do, an, yes, what, what can I do for you? And I said, well, hey, I, I know you don't know me very well. We just met. I mean, literally, it was maybe the second week of school, and the concert was like that coming weekend. And, so, and uh, he's never met this girl. And I said, well, hey, could, could she stay in your house? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Right? And so you could, I can look back now and say, man, that was pretty shrewd. Right? He was, he was acting in a way that was in my best interest, even though maybe somebody else would say, well, that, was, that seems kind of wrong. They were doing that behind his back. And, man, I'm thankful that he did it. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, you know what? That was actually a great decision because the relationship didn't last very long, and it wasn't a good one. Uh, but the other thing, and, and point two, that I think this takeaway uh, from the, the shrewd manager is that uh, we have to be radically generous. Yeah. Radically generous. You think back to that manager in that first person who owned 100 measures of oil, you know, the, the people who heard that parable, they, they could do the math. They, they knew what it was like, right? They, I, they didn't have to have me explain it to them on a slideshow. For, the, for them to see the, this manager cut that bill in half, they, in their hearts they know, hey, there is something, that's, that's a good deal. That's generous. And in the same way, my friend Wayne, you know, I think about that invitation to let my girlfriend at the time stay in his house. Uh, man, that was radically generous, you know, like a complete stranger to him, someone he's never met before, barely knows me. Uh, he's got, he had five kids at the time, some very young kids. It's like, man, there's a little bit of a risk involved there. And he just opened his house like that. And, you know, I think about that time, actually, and it was interesting. His whole life seemed to me to have this, like, VIP access of sorts that I didn't, I, like, it was almost like I was a fly on the wall, but he was allowing me to stay. You know, I could see his marriage. I could see the way he handled his kids. I could see, you know, I mean, there was nothing off the table. He, I could ask him about anything. And it was just very generous for him to give that way. And not, not just generous, but radical in every sense of the word. But he would also do these smaller things. Like we would work out together, and he would have Cliff Builder protein bars. And, man, to me, that was like high, high, like that's gold. You know, I, I like to work out. I didn't have a lot of money as a college student. I didn't want to pay for the Cliff Builder bars, but he would give me his. And oftentimes, man, he even gave me the last one, right? So I was just like, I love that. You know, that was amazing. And I even think back to, there were times as, as a young freshman, I, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit this because I, I, I figured it out pretty quickly, but I would forget my wallet a lot. Honestly, just being honest, I would forget my wallet. And he would happily pay 
for my meals. And he never brought it up, right? It was just like, hey, man, I got you. I'll cover it. And even beyond that, man, there were other people doing, doing that same thing. And so as I experienced this radical level of generosity, it made me want to be radically generous. There was an unlocking of like, man, I don't deserve this. And as I became a Christian, you know, in the, in the months to come, it just, it's just like, man, I, I want to do that same thing. There's no reason that I can't help people in a similar way. You know, the things that he, he was doing, it was new to me. It seemed uh, unnatural, but it was a way of living that I wanted to have. It was so much better than what I had experienced. It was so much better. And so, um, and it, it, it won me over. You know, it really did. You know, it, it's like, hey, was that, is, could you look at that in a vacuum and try and point out the, well, is that, is that really the right way? Or did he, did you get tricked, Brendan? You know what, maybe I did, but it was the best decision I've ever made. So, sure, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that one. Um, and so, really, just, just, a, just an, uh, want to implore us all that, as we are living with radical generosity, there's, there is a fight inside us internally that makes me want to hold on to what I have. Right? Hey, my life is my own. I work hard for these things. My life is private. I don't want everyone to know about it. You know, um, and, and even in a church setting, we can make a lot of arguments that, hey, I'm already giving a lot. Right? If you tithe, man, you're giving 10% to the church. If you come regularly on Sundays, you're giving, you know, round up to two hours. If you serve on a Sunday, you're giving an extra hour. If you uh, are in a small group, man, that's another 90 minutes of your week, right? That's a lot. But um, it says this in verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And if you then have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, or just think about that as in the world's wealth. That's all you have to think about that. The world's wealth. Who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And so it's to say this, that the more we cling on to those things, the more they sit on the throne of our heart. And, and it, I mean, Jesus said it himself, you actually hate God if something else is sitting on the throne of your heart. That's, those are harsh words, but that is what it says. And so he knew, though, the way to um, get rid of this desire to cling on to what we have, whether it's control, time, money, possessions, is to give them away. I have a friend who was very successful in the financial industry, made a lot of money, you know, and that's not just relative to average people. I think to even to people who make good money, he, makes a lot of, he made a lot of money. And um, he would tell me that he would have, you know, as I'm talking to him and telling him some of my shortcomings of wanting to hold on to things or not wanting to, you know, spend money here or there or whatever, not, not trusting God's provision. He would say, you know, Brendan, even when I made a lot of money, I would have those same thoughts. I would have those same problems. And I would see the money come in and I, parts of me would want to hold on to it. But the, the medicine that caused me to break past this and see beyond it was giving it away. And I started thinking when money came in, okay, who and what am I going to give this to? Right? And to have radical generosity, that really has to be our mindset of, hey, how am I going to steward this thing that God has given me? Where am I going to send it? Not where is it going to sit? Where is it going to make me more money? Man, where am I going to send this away? Where am I going to give this away? Where am I going to, how am I going to steward my house this week? Man, what am I going to do with my job to be more generous with my time? 
how am I going to go to my neighbor's house and help them? You know, maybe I need to help with the artwork, right? There's, there, there are things that we can do to, to unlock this radical generosity. And in doing that, it says that not only will we be received into a, a person's home, we'll be received into the eternal dwelling. And that is a promise that, like, you can hang on to. You can take that one to the bank. There's an eternal dwelling coming. And then, um, you know, uh, that, that might be a little painful for you to, to think about, to hear. Um, but the, the third point I want to make is um, the kingdom of God will cross you. Right? The kingdom of God will cross you. Right? And so these, these ideas to be shrewd, uh, man, that, that might be a little bit, uh, you know, you're not sure how to really take that. But someone telling you to give your money away. That is, uh, you know, no one ever likes that. But if we look at what the Pharisees said to Jesus in verse 14, they said, uh, it says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you who are lovers of money justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way in. Okay, so uh, when I was thinking about this idea of, of the kingdom of God crossing me and, and this idea of people forcing their way into the kingdom, I got a picture of a, you know, a, a magnificent, enormous kingdom. And to get in, there's one gate. There's only one way in. And so there are people who hear about this kingdom, and they do everything they can to get in. But there's one gate, you have to imagine, there's going to be not, not an orderly line if people are forcing themselves in, a, a crowd of people trying to get in right, doing anything they can to get into this kingdom. Okay? So let that picture, you know, let your imagination take that. And then there's a footnote where it says, and everyone forces his way into it in the ESV, and it says, Every, and everyone is forcefully urged into it. Okay, so if you think about that, someone who is urged to do something means they are presented with an opportunity. And if, you, if you're being urged to do something, typically that means there was something you weren't doing. Okay, and so as, as, as people who encountered Jesus, specifically the Pharisees, they were urged to enter the kingdom and that crossed them. You know, it said that Jesus said that uh, it was documented by Luke that the Pharisees were lovers of money and that God criticized them and said that it was an abomination in the sight of God. And so really Jesus was presenting a direct threat not only to their love of money, but to their authority. These were people who held a lot of power. They were cultural icons. It wasn't just like, you know, religious leaders, but they, they, were, they were people who held the status quo for Israel. And Jesus presented a way of living that was completely contrary to what they had wanted to do. And so now if we think back to that picture of the gate, there's people who are being forcefully urged into the kingdom, but they're holding on to the gate as people are flying by them trying to get in, right? And that's, that, is, that is truly like the message that Jesus was sending. He's like, hey, there are people, you know, when he, in, in the previous chapter when he's talking about the prodigal son, there are people who look like they shouldn't get in. There are people like the manager who make mistakes, but yet because they are, they are able to uh, make a shrewd way for themselves and, f- and find good grace into God, or grace, find 
a way into God's good grace, they are able to get into the kingdom. Right? They're looking for every foothold, every crevice to climb that wall to get over and get in. But there are other people who are trying not to get in. And I think I know which one we want to be, but which one are you really right now? And so, um, man, as we're considering all these things, you know, it's, it's not to say that these things are easy to do. But really, God is in the midst of it with you. You know, this isn't a message about, hey, just do these things and your life will be better. It's, it's really about, hey, God and his strength and, and his wisdom, he will lead you to be shrewd. He will lead you to be radically generous. You know, if you think about uh, the idea of shrewdness and thinking about putting God in a box like we talked about earlier, the best way to keep God out of a box is to ask him what you're supposed to do. Because you can't put God in a box if you're doing what he said to do. Right? He, you're not limiting yourself. You're not limiting God. You are, you're doing what he asked you to do. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that in, God invites you to do that. He invites you to ask him. Right? It's not saying, hey, stay away and figure it out. He's saying, hey, come to me and I will help you. And in the same way with our radical generosity, you know, there's the one area the Bible tells us we can test God is in our finances. It's the one, it's the one hey, if you don't trust me in this, try it. Try me. Right? He's saying, hey, go ahead. This is the one place. You can do it. And, you know, just even in Kendall and I's marriage, you know, I think about all the times that, you know, just even, um, you know, three months ago, we were, we were uh, kind of looking at our finances and we had just, you know, we spent a lot of money in the past year on, on kids and buying a house, all these things. And there's like this thing of like, okay, we've done enough for a while. Let's just save our money. Like, let's not get, get rid of any more money. And, and I knew that this summer there was going to be some financial challenges presented to us that would, allow, that would basically show us that, hey, we need more, more income. And I just felt like God was asking us to give away a, a good chunk of cash, like $1,500. And it was like, man, that is scary. I, I don't really want to do that. And I told Kendall about it, and she wasn't most excited either. But it was just this idea of like, hey, I think that if we do this, God will honor it. I think if we give this money away, I think there's going to be something special that could happen. And, um, you know, just without giving too many details, the summer came around, there, were, there was the, the challenge that we saw coming, and, and God fully provided it. Yeah. Every, everything that we needed there, was there. And it, it just, every time I've put my life out on the line in terms of finances, like, all right, God, I don't know what to do here, but I'm trusting you with this. Here it is. He's never, he's never allowed me to wonder, hey, what's going to happen? It's always been provided. It's always been there. And so, man, uh, I, I just want to encourage us that this week there, there's a special opportunity to practice shrewdness. There's a special opportunity to practice radical generosity. There's people around you who are looking for you to help them in, in generous ways. There's people who uh, need to get into the kingdom of God, but you're going to have to be shrewd about it. Right, just like my friend was with my with my girlfriend in college, you know there there are there are going to be things that God is inviting you to do, and I, I would just ask that you would ask Him, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? And if you do that, I think you'll have stories to tell about what He's able to do. So let me pray for us, Father. We just thank you for the parable of the shrewd manager. You know, looking at the story and just. It looks like he's being fired, he's in trouble, and we can just question, what are we supposed to do with that? But God, I mean, the, the first thing you say is he was commended by, by his master, by God, for his shrewdness. 
And so, Lord, instead of uh, uh, allowing us to sit and question what, what that means or what that looks like, God, just show us, Lord. Show us what it means to be shrewd. Show us what it looks like to have a, a, a wisdom and a, a heart, a yearning to think in ways that we're not used to thinking. God, give us clear pictures on how to approach people, how to be uh, stewarding money well, how to uh, see the world. God, just give us a, a, new, a new brain. God, just Romans 12, 2, I pray that you would um, just show us your good and perfect and pleasing will, that we may follow it, Lord. Um, so, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. Pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would be present in us this week as we're being nudged to take these new risks. Um, God, just show yourself faithful like you always do. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you all have a great rest of your Sunday.